Welcome to Beyond the Lab, a podcast where we talk about people, ideas, and insights in the science industry. Our guest today is Dr. Hanusha, a medical doctor certified in aesthetic medicine and co-founder of Theory Box, a clinical skincare brand. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, everyone. I'm glad to be on the podcast today. Excited to share my knowledge. So, we will explore the science behind Theory Box. But before we do that, what drew you to aesthetic dermatology and what inspired you to develop your own skincare product? Okay, so basically I'm a doctor actually for the past uh, five years and two years for training. And during my training, I actually had a different direction that I was going to. And then somehow I built um, interest on medicine, which involved me in, you know, fine skills where I had to be more hands-on. So I was always drawn to the surgical aspect of it. So somewhere along the line, I got drawn to dermatology because somehow the skin just fascinated me. It may seem like the simplest organ, but actually a complicated and interesting field in terms of management and its pathophysiology. And also, I, while I was learning and doing all my courses out of the government service, because it's not known as an essential when you practice aesthetic, there's actually a great market and the technology is ever growing so fast and it's challenging just keeping up with that. So I was naturally drawn to this challenge and I thought, okay, you know what, it is the largest organ on our body and definitely it will be a challenge for me to learn and that's why I was drawn to it. Right. Okay. And... Uh... Coming to Theory Box, can you share a little bit more about what Theory Box is? Okay, so Theory Box actually started by me and one of my very, very close friends. We are uni mates and somehow our career progression also towards aesthetics leaned, you know, in the same direction. So our initial plan is that, you know, when you're in the medical field is that you usually rush to study and then you want to be a specialist and things like that. But somehow the pandemic made us all put our plans on hold, you know, even for classes. My friend was doing her master's and we had to put it on hold. So then we realized that our end goal was actually to release our own skincare brand. And then we thought, why wait when now, you know, there's a lot of platforms that we can start small and, you know, control our product and be more hands-on with certain labs that are available so we shifted our plan and thought, okay, you know what, let's take this like our pet project, you know, somehow to cope with the stress of the pandemic, to change or divert our minds. So that way we started, you know, like a little mini hobby and we started connecting to labs and somehow built the courage up to decide, you know what, we're going to start a skincare brand. Okay, like that is literally um, COVID productivity <laughs> goals because like most of us are just like learning how to cook or, you know, and... You and your partner literally started a skincare brand and a company and that's, whoa, and everything on lockdown. Yes, yes, yes. When you're in the private sector, definitely we were hit quite bad because aesthetics had to be closed down. So business also reduced. It's just that we had to shift our focus in a different direction. And then we thought, you know what, let's, let's just give it a go. It's the thing we like to do. So we just went for it that way. But I think what you mentioned uh, just recently is that it's kind of interesting to see that like their priorities given to different sections of medical, like yeah. when it, it should be, I mean, every part of our health should be important, right? Correct. Yes. That, that's why we were quite unhappy with it also. 
It's just that the government decided, okay, you know what, you're not important, close down. And we have patients um, who are on chronic eczema, chronic psoriasis, Right. that can't afford to go to hospitals all the time. So they come to us for, you know, scar treatment and things. It affects them psychologically also. So in conclusion, like our patients would contact us and be like, when are y'all opening? My acne is flaring up really bad. And we had to cope with that and, you know, arrange to send them medication. So it was challenging, but that's what led us to pick up a new hobby also. Right. So I think like a lot of people like have this perception that, oh, dermatology is all about like, just looking beautiful but actually it's much more than that, that oh yeah are. definitely yeah. yes i think that that's that's a really good insight but uh, coming back to the theory box mm-hmm. that the main product for now is mask the yes. masking regime so why mask okay so basically first first reason is costing we wanted to start small so we thought uh, when we researched with the labs on, you know, sometimes they have the minimum order quantity and in terms of packaging. So sheet masks were the most um, convenient to kind of for us to prep in a short duration. And also it was intermediate cost, I would say not too cheap. In that sense, we could, you know, have the room to kind of test the market, build brand awareness. If it's big, big conglomerates, they have the big budget to go all in, you know, like they release a moisturizer serum and all because their budget's just that much bigger. So we decided sheet masks, but not just ordinary sheet masks. We are based on clinical science, you know, so it's clinical skincare where what we practice in our clinic and then we know certain active ingredients and how to put it onto patients. So we've decided to do that into sheet masks. That way, you know, we realized that during COVID, people were more, um, I wouldn't say free, but they had more times for themselves because they were working from home. So a sachet, a sheet mask was actually a two-in-one where they got to relax, you know, take the time off after the whole day of working on the laptop and also to treat their skin. Going through what you've just mentioned, you know, it's mm-hmm. really interesting to see uh, theory box products actually having a very holistic approach to skincare. Right. You know, is it yeah. like as you just mentioned that you know it's it's not just the dermatology aspect of the sheet mask, but also the fact that it kind of gives people that sense of looking after themselves. Yes, so I think correct. like contributes to their mental well being. I think that's really important, especially during the COVID time. And I actually, yeah. we at Beyond the Lab kind of went on your website and gave the quiz a try. Like so, it's okay. It's a personal regime, right? So depending yeah. on how you answer the quiz, you get a set and uh, I'm set B, which I found out. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, I found out I'm set B. And uh, okay. I think what was interesting in the questionnaire was that not just the usual, like your skin type and skin concerns and age was taken into account, but I think mm-hmm. the fact that the, the diet, the lifestyle... Mm-hmm. That was also taken up, which we thought was really interesting. So actually, a lot of people, when they talk about skin, they don't realize that it has a lot to do with internal factors and they only focus on external factors, like maybe it's acne and then they think that scarring is because of pigmentation or dullness. They don't realize that it has to be inside, you know, that it leads outwards also. So that's why we include that question in because most people don't have much awareness in that aspect, which is what we are focusing on, you know, creating awareness also along with our brand. That's really cool. So diving a little deeper into the research, you've used like graphene sheet mask for two of your masks. So why this particular material? 
this was quite a challenge for us because actually trial and error of the material that we wanted to use. Over our practice, we noticed that uh, paper masks were not effective in even holding moisture and, you know, it usually is not a proper fit. So as we kept digging in and liasing with the lab, uh, we found out something called graphene. Then I remember hearing about graphene in terms of engineering and also in terms of uh, our face mask, you know, the three-ply face mask. So when we looked more into that, we noticed that actually graphene is a two-dimensional material. If you go on my website, you can actually see the graphene is black in color and the surface is actually like a honeycomb appearance. Right. So that honeycomb appearance is two-dimensional and it's kind of uh, very, very small. So our skin actually is only able to absorb particles that are uh, below a certain Dalton unit. So we need something to kind of support this and help push in the serum or whatever moisturizer that you're putting on. Then after that, I noticed when I kept on reading further, that contact of graphene onto skin. So our skin naturally has a body temperature, right? So um, when it's in contact with that slight warmth, it releases a very, very fine infrared wave that's able to push in the serum. This is just simpler terms of me explaining this. Uh So with this heat that's released from the skin and in contact with that material, it produces better absorption and antibacterial properties also. So we found that super unique and it's not very common in the market also, or even if it is used in the market, nobody actually highlights the, the importance of this material. Right. Actually, you're right about it, doctor. In fact, uh, many sheet masks uh, are, like as you mentioned, paper-based. Right. And I think uh, you also used biocellulose, which I will ask you soon. But uh, like, as you mentioned, hardly anyone uses graphene. And it's interesting to know that paper actually doesn't yeah. provide the moisture that uh, it... Yes. Yeah, so now we know that. Um, Correct. So- graphene is actually quite an underrated uh, material, but it's, it is a, a Nobel Prize winning material, you know. It is called the <laughs> 21st century kind material and it's upcoming in the beauty industry. All right, that's cool. Very mm-hmm. interesting. So as yep. I mentioned earlier, you also used... Uh, biocellulose to fabricate one of your masks which is the brightening one why a different fabric for the brightening mask we have some active ingredients in the brightening sheet such as vitamin c um, some hyaluronic acid as well so why we chose biocellulose is that it has um, hydrophilic properties which is also similar to our skin So oil and oil can mix that way when we put on the biocellulose mask, it can fit tightly on your skin and also help push in the serum. So we thought, okay, you know what? We have some graphene and biocellulose would be a good composition for the clarifying. Our clarifying product is what we use for brightening. Another fun fact, we actually don't want to use the word brightening and even Ministry of Health has banned the word brightening on products. Oh, the word. Uh, Yeah, so that's why we changed it to clarifying because we don't want people to think that we're trying to make them white. We're just actually trying to increase radiance, improve your dull skin, which is what skincare should do. We don't want to change everyone to becoming white because melanin is actually important in skin protection. And biocellulose actually is quite a famous material now. A lot of the famous brands have switched over from paper to biocellulose. Another word for it sometimes is gel mask or hydrogel sheet mask, but similar concept. 
So talking about ingredients, okay. what are the few main active ingredients in the mask in Theory Box and what's the research behind them? All right. So um, we have three types of mask now. Clarifying, antioxidant and skin booster. So clarifying, basically, we want to increase cell turnover of the skin. So which means exfoliation. Uh, that's what causes that instant radiant effect or the so-called uh, brightening effect. And these kind of, uh, what are the active ingredients that we use for our clarifying is, um, these are very happy acids. They are very, very safe to use, you know, in terms of weekly basis. They will not, uh, don't get frightened with the term acid, thinking that it may destroy your skin, no. Um, these are happy acids that help to exfoliate your skin and remove dead skin cells. Then we add in vitamin C as well. From We chose to go with uh, the fruit tangerine just because it's more stable in that form. And in combination with the acid, it's much more mild. So that's for clarifying. Um, yeah. There's one famous active ingredient that we put in all three of our masks. This is actually called Dermaclera. This is a kind of soothing agent that is good for sensitive skin. So we got all the sensitive skin customers or clients, you know, prepped. That way they don't have to worry about breakouts or flare, things like that. So it's a double protection in all the masks that we carry. Next for antioxidant, um, this is one of, we've got quite a good of feedback regarding this mask. When you put it, when you put it on, you actually feel a very cooling sensation, uh, a slight tingle because we do have vitamin C inside as well. But the main kind of star ingredient in this is actually a probiotic. I see. Okay. Yeah. So we actually use um, it from milk. So if you know back in the day, uh, Cleopatra actually used to bathe in milk. Uh, that is something that's actually able to be proven by science. Just because uh, milk thistle and all carries that natural acid, which helps in, in increasing radiation. So we managed to include this probiotics along with Sika and some plant extracts along with a very potent antioxidant. I'm sure everyone's heard of CoQ10. This supplement yes. now is suddenly on a rage now and everyone's like, should I take this? Yes, it's actually a very good antioxidant. So we decided to include this into our mask also. When you put it on your skin, you will feel like an instant cooling sensation, a slight tingle cause antioxidants cause this kind of reversal on the skin. After you use it along with the biocellulose, right, you will feel much tighter. So that's the effect it gives due to the active ingredients and the material as well. So for your clarifying mask, you mentioned that vitamin C, right? It's a star ingredient for brightening or as you mentioned, clarifying. We can't yes. use brightening anymore. So <laughs> yes, clarifying products. You know, yep. But how does it actually work? Okay, so naturally our skin actually contains high concentrations of vitamin C. So if you notice why I ask age in our questionnaire is because obviously as we age, our collagen levels are lower, vitamin C levels are lower, hyaluronic acid levels are lower. So that's why it's important to know where you stand so that you know at what concentration of vitamin C or any chemicals that you need. Vitamin C actually helps to prevent future dark spots and also treats your current pigment spots. And it can be either consumed or applied topically on the skin. So what we need to know in terms of skincare is that vitamin C is a water-soluble molecule. And obviously, our skin is a fatty layer. So how are we going to combine these two? We actually have to make the pH of the product quite low. 
So that's why I mentioned sometimes if you notice a bit of tingling on antioxidant products, that's normal because they are a bit acidic. And vitamin C, that's why usually even in serums, if you buy at higher concentrations, it definitely gives you a tingling effect. So always start with lower concentrations and then go up higher. So how does vitamin C inhibit this melanin production? Is actually it decreases the synthesis of melanin in melanocytes. It's able to interfere with the action of um, tyrosinase and in that way it inhibits melanogenesis. And under melanin, you can actually categorize it further. It's called eumelanin and also pheomelanin. Eumelanin is uh, darker, is what we call dark spots, EU. Eumelanin, it's one word. Pheomelanin is actually brighter, uh, brighter people. So that means the absence of spots. Oh, okay, okay. And does yeah. uh, vitamin C actually work on both melanin? Yes. Correct. So... Technically, we want vitamin C to go uh, and work on eumelanin. So that means that's existing pigment spots. And then if you don't have any spots, that means you have eumelanin and that helps protect you from getting dark spots as well. So you've already mentioned about how vitamin C actually prevents the production of melanin. But if I may probe a little bit more, how does it actually cure of already melanin? And I'm asking this because, um, for example, like, some people have freckles or some of us get darker and right. all these clarifying products actually mm-hmm. promise like a brighter skin tone or no more freckles or no more dark spots. So, And these products also have vitamin C. Okay. So in terms of freckles, um, it's, it's a whole different pathophysiology. When we talk about pigment spots, the scientific term for this is actually post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. So meaning that you've had an inflammation and that heals leading to dark spots. And that can be either brown or dark or black, depending on your skin tone. So our skin type is ranging from one to six, one being the fairest, six being the darkest. And usually in the Asian community, if we're talking about Malay to Chinese, you're around two to three, slightly more tan people will be around four, I would say, uh, when we lean towards the Indian community, that would be around four. So the darker you get, actually, the higher risk you are for PIH or these hyperpigmentations. And freckles is a completely different thing where freckles is actually genetic. So you have to carry this gene. It's called an MCR1 gene. It's a melanocyte receptor gene or melanocyte stimulating hormones. Ah, I see. So, so that's this... the difference. So in the sense that if it's freckles, you would, patients will always say from a young age, they already have it. If you look at the Caucasian uh, community or population, they are also accompanied with uh, red hair and they are very fair skin. So that's why the freckles are usually more obvious. I see. Okay. Like, but, okay. okay because um, I think a few of my friends and I like, who have actually practiced, we are like fully Asian and then we have freckles that look like moles. So it's like, it's, it's like, as you said, right? Like there's like red hair with freckles, uh, which is yeah. done like in most of the research, like only recently, like a little bit more research is going on the fact that yeah. you may not have the typical phenotype for freckles, but you may have freckles as well. So just to confirm, like you have mentioned that freckles is, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned that freckles, it, it's a different aspect of dermatology, but does the vitamin C also apply okay. to freckles? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. It, it will help to uh, control the freckles, but not cure you 100%. Because we, since the, the vitamin C is only going to absorb to through your epidermis 
and it's going to treat that, but it cannot change or reverse your gene. So in terms of control, it's very good because freckles get aggravated even by UV lights and all that. So daily to, to kind of reduce it from worsening, you can use vitamin C. So like talking about all this, uh, recently, Sika like, from your antioxidant mask is also being a skincare favorite. So what is the yes. science behind Sika? Um, Sika, the scientific name is Centella Asiatica. It started with a lot of cosmeceuticals, but I think Dr. Jad was one of the first brands that kind of made it very well known in the market. But it's actually used a long time in um, Asian culture as a kind of traditional uh, medication. And also a fun fact, this plant is known in Asia for where tigers rub on their wounds. So the other uh, layman term for it is called tiger grass. I see, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, very cute. I can, I can just imagine the tiger, you know, putting the grass on its wound. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but um, there's actually a journal in done in July 2012 where mm-hmm. they've done this Sika and its chemical composition in terms of treating acne and also uh, a soothing ingredient. How was it effective is that it's actually a combination of a few ingredients in it, including vitamin C, A, B1 and B2. So all this in combination of fatty acids in Sika itself is what gives it like a good boost of collagen in the skin when used continuously. So it's kind of a well-run product, which is why it kind of got very famous for cosmeceutical because we can you know, cover a wide range of skin concerns with one product, which is what we want to help uh, patients as well. You know, some patients may have a few skin concerns, uh, never you know, only one. And it's tough on them when you have to make them buy 10 kind of products to target. And, you know, one, there will be no compliance. Two, they will not see good results also. So that's why this is a very famous kind of a favorite skincare product now because it's a multifunctional product, I would say. I see. Okay, that's that's very interesting to know, actually. So mm-hmm. um, one concern, like okay. with all these active ingredients, you know, like vitamin C and antioxidant, uh, one concern is that, you know, these components are quite sensitive. They can yeah. degrade quite easily. So one uh, one concern that has kind of popped up is that these star active ingredients, upon reaching the consumer, they're actually not that active anymore. How does Theory Box preserve these ingredients? And in general, what should right. we as consumers be mindful of? Okay, so let's say in terms of antioxidants, so vitamin C, CoQ10, it's actually a very unstable product if you use it in its true form. Because one, it's water-soluble. Two, it gets oxidized easily, even in contact with sunlight. Especially for vitamin C, if you notice back then, before they started using the more stable forms of vitamin C, they actually will give it to you. uh, The serum containers or the bottles will be dark in color or opaque. That's actually to prevent the reaction when it touches sunlight. So in terms of how we can make sure that you get the stable products, now vitamin C comes in a more hydrophilic solution. So meaning that even in the oxygen or you need it uncapped or even in a clear bottle, it can last. So look out for terms like magnesium ascorbyl phosphate. That's a more stable form of vitamin C. Um, You can also look for ethyl ascorbic acid. 
and definitely like we have to add in some preservatives in the chemical composition itself to help to increase the shelf life and these concentration of the preservatives are very very low and now we have preservatives that actually benefit the skin like glycol you know it's a good humectant so that's how we do it we ensure that preservatives are very low we do extensive testing as well to make sure that it doesn't give a reaction to the skin that it's interesting to know that actually like preservatives it used to have like a bad rap but now research is Correct. shown that they are certain that actually benefit the skin yes so coming back a little bit more to the ingredients part we know that certain ingredients may not be agreeable to some people like from a dermatology or a medical perspective you know what should people know usually if you don't have any underlying skin medical disease or condition i would say for example eczema psoriasis um acne your skin actually is a very very strong organ it basically protects us from everything that is is in contact you know with the outside uh, air or even uh, the the water it's just yeah. that many people are unaware of it So what is the first few things that you want to look for in a product is fragrance. Usually the higher the fragrance the more skin irritation it's going to cause. Another thing is coloring. So it's important mm-hmm. to know whether it's extract from naturally the plant or the fruit or it's artificial coloring. Another one is alcohol content. This one is if obviously uh you're you as a consumer you're not going to know every detail name of each thing. Certain alcohols are good like menthol it's a preservative but it also has anti acne properties anti aging properties so how do you know whether a product is very high alcohol content or unhealthy alcohols when you apply it on your skin you can instantly feel this kind of burning very itchy sensation so that's when you know okay you have to stop immediately wash off Right. Another few ingredients that you can look out for it's called phthalates, uh, lead, formaldehyde. So usually people with eczema they are very sensitive to lead and lead actually is used in quite a bit of makeup especially lipsticks mm. and things like that now yeah it's just that it's in very fancy names that most people don't realize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so usually in um, lipsticks and all that we don't realize because the lead actually is probably in a low dose i can't say for sure what the dosing they're using okay yeah but my eczema patients let's say they use the wrong lip brand that's it gone they get a flare and it's bad you know it's like an allergy reaction they get cracks oh yeah oh yeah i see uh doctor i was a bit surprised that you also mentioned uh, formaldehyde because <laughs> <You're> <laughs> and, right. um yeah i mean like it's because it's it's a carcinogen correct yes so this actually what i'm very very proud of is that now skincare is very uh, it has advanced a lot so if you look at olden days you know maybe due to lack of uh, awareness lack of research also not intentional but that used to be a preservative now uh, due to a lot of research done it has been omitted so just that we don't know certain um we never know what's in a product you know so it's just things to look out for okay thank you so much for sharing this insights on the ingredients but um i'd like to come back a little bit more to theory box so we usually see you know when we when we buy mask we usually see very vague recommendations like twice a week for best results theory box actually gives customers a schedule 
and yeah. the sequence for which mask to use. Right. What is the science behind this concept? Okay. Um, this actually was uh, an idea of ours because when we were in the process of, you know, um, thinking of branding and all that, for me personally, when I use sheet masks back in the day, lah, I never was consistent. It was just more of, a, oh, okay, lah, take it for a holiday kind of, of, of thing, you know, it's just to relax. But it's not something that I would think carries any value. So in that sense, I thought, okay, you know what? We are picking ingredients and we are putting in active ingredients. So these are what we call functional masks. So Terry Box sheet mask is a functional mask that targets different, different concerns. So due to its active ingredients, you don't have to use them every day. It's not useful in that sense. So when you use it once a week with these active ingredients, it's a good combination therapy, which I thought, when we give our patients a, a kind of a regime or a treatment plan, it's, they'll be able to see better results. One, not only because of the product, but also due to compliance. So like, like what I said, you know, when I buy a mask last time, I just buy it for the sake. Like, okay, la, today I'm going to chill. I'm going to put it on. And then you forget about it. You don't know that brand anymore. And then you buy another brand. So we wanted our customers to be able to remember our brand and stick to that treatment plan to give you results. So that's right. why we say best use once a week. So yeah. coming to the, the marketing of Theory Box, so there are a lot of skincare brands designed by doctors. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, Dr. Jad. And yeah. uh, I think one that has been famous for a long time is uh, Dr. Murad. However, in comparison to these skincare products by doctors, Right. Theory box is relatively affordable, even mm. though there's so much science behind it. So right. why did you and your team choose to do so? Okay, because we wanted our skincare to be, yes, pocket friendly, but also approachable and accessible to a lot of consumers. Because not everyone can afford, and we noticed that during COVID, it affected a lot of people's income. We, we produce in small batches, one, that's how we get to control the price. Another thing, we are starting everything from scratch, meaning where we are slowly building it up. In that way, we are able to get our revenue back at a slow pace. That's how we get to control the price. So we don't, we don't have a big model, you know, putting everything into marketing, using influencers. No, not like that. We are going slow so we can get small batches, the products fresh also, and we get to create awareness at the same time. So that, that's how we get to control the price as well. And another thing that we focused on also was to work with local companies. Mm -hmm. uh, now the whole rage is, you know, with, oh, Korean skincare, Korean this, Korean yes. that. But what most people fail to understand is that ingredients will be ingredients, regardless of which factory you use it from. Nice. And so we decided to go with local companies, you know, we get to help them during this tough time. And we didn't have to worry about logistics because we were worried if, let's say, the borders close, how will we get our product and we can't launch in time. So when we work with local manufacturers, we told them, look, uh, we only have a small order quantity. Is it doable? And they were very accommodating, helpful to us. Their chemists were very friendly. So they get the ingredients from Japan and then their chemists liars with us whether um, our cocktails are okay, does it work, uh, testing and things like that. Even certification with the ministry, they helped us out. If I were to start off my own lab and did everything on my own, the cost would be super, super high. 
Oh, it's really nice to know that uh, not only are you taking, like Terry Box is not only taking a holistic approach in terms of dermatology as well as customer care, but I think also in the fact that how you source your ingredients and trying to help as many people as possible while building the brand during okay. this difficult time. I think that's amazing. That's a very holistic business model as well. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Just let me take a quick sidetrack here. Um, in general, when it comes to skin care, more expensive mean better. <laughs> okay, this is very subjective. It's um, a both yes and no. I can't, I can't give you a definite answer. Certain brands may kill me. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> okay, there's two kinds of skin care. Um, regular cosmeceuticals or clinical or medical grade skincare. So when you say medical grade, a lot of their funding goes into clinical research uh, where they have to use a control or target group and then a group with a lot of testing on products. So obviously funding is going to be more, that's why medical grade is higher. And obviously because uh, more professionals are hands-on in that kind of skincare, so their price point is slightly higher. Cosmeceuticals per se, anyone can launch. Um, it's basically buying pre-mixed solutions from factories and selling it, putting your own brand to it, and then you can set the price point. So you have to know the difference and know that certain things is just branding and certain things is actually the product. So you have to do your own research and know what is what and create the awareness, which is what we are trying to do and make people be more aware of uh, what clinical or medical grade skincare is. So with clinical skincare, we are not as advanced of medical grade skincare yet, just because we don't have the facilities on our own to run testing. So that's why we work with labs and monitor their progress. And they help us do it. So coming back to Theory Box, what right. are your business goals? I think our end goal would be that we can reach the international market, but as a start-off goal is we want to make clinical skincare be more approachable regardless of your age, regardless of your gender. And we want to emphasize that everyone can afford it and it doesn't take that much to put good stuff on your skin. So we're trying to create that awareness as our business goal and then, you know, slowly develop customer trust and that way we can release hopefully more better products, or a wider range of products, I would say. So currently you're being like marketing theory box. Uh, what are yeah. the challenges that you're currently facing? Like who are your biggest competitors and how do you plan to overcome it? Um, this was this is the most challenging part, you know, picking the ingredients and doing the testing, uh, talking to patients. That was so so easy, I would say. Okay. My friend was like, "Oh my God, what is this world?" You know, in terms of digital marketing, social media, Google Ads, and AI, and we are we are basically, you know, we have to engage with certain agencies that promise the world and then they don't give you results. But at the same time, you'll never know. It's like a trial and error thing, you know, when you run ads and things like that. So we have a bit of a difficulty with that because to be honest, me and my friend, yes, we're doctors, but we are not famous in the sense we're not influencers. So it's harder to bring up from scratch. So that's what we are having a slight difficulty with because we want organic reviews, we want organic uh, followers and not just paid influencers, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Although it can reach a wide audience, but we don't want it leaning too much that way. That's why it's much, much harder for us. That would be my biggest challenge, I think, really getting my brand awareness out there. 
like you know hey look we're here try us right yeah. so it's yeah. a it's a huge learning curve yes definitely it's it's such a steep learning curve it was like suddenly chucked into a different world and then certain terms so yeah. i i i'll be like texting my friend and like do you know what this means <laughs> or right. just a short short form you know like uh, seo or something and i'm like what right, is that what right. is that <laughs> and yeah so it's it's really fun and and thank god my partner is so great also so we learn as we go lah and it's not someone who's like a different mindset that way right. it's harder to work with so now whatever problems we face in terms of marketing we going together we're doing small scale and hoping to grow that way and uh, i think you brought up something that's pretty interesting to know is that uh, even though you guys are like doctors it's still difficult you know like as you mentioned there's still surprisingly that actually like even though you guys are doctors but the competition is mainly also coming from yeah. influencers actually yes. <laughs> okay so that's the biggest competitors to be honest um i mean yes they have a, a not not this is not general for everyone some are very very dedicated into getting products in the market which i really admire also but the fact is that you know the if you're not known then it's harder to sell this is what yeah. we we are facing yeah so we want the 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 word of mouth to be good uh, and that's how we can grow also that's what we want to be our core brand value so we're reaching the end of the episode and uh, before we wrap up what is the one common myth about your profession or field that you want to debunk Okay this is this is actually quite funny um funny or disappointing <laughs> either one <laughs> but um initially when i started off or when i used to tell um friends or family like oh this is what i do or this is what i'm planning to do and then they go like isn't that a beauty therapist and i'm just like what no it's not a beauty therapist and then i was like i didn't know whether to laugh or cry and i'm like okay no <laughs> So you see back in the day the community has kind of been I don't know what word to use deceived or just not aware of the business aspect of cosmeceuticals you know where you can buy pre-made solution from factories and then they overpromise you which leads to poor outcomes and this is the difference between aesthetic physicians or doctors and beauty therapists you don't know the science behind it that's what beauty therapist is so they will try their best to sell hard everything and anything that they can and aesthetic doctors we are treating you medically using the signs of it using your anatomy and things like that so people actually get drawn to beauty therapists because they know very well how to sell uh, treatments how to sell products and the price points are very low but there's just so much of complications that arise from that i've got patients that come in um, botox and fillers and lasers should only be done by doctors <laughs> but there are a lot of therapists that do this um legally or illegally i'm not sure but they cause a lot of complications where once i had a patient do botox with them and botox once you inject wrongly you you're going to be stuck with that complication for at least 3 to 5 months till oh, it fades yeah. away yeah. so if 
basically it's a muscle relaxant so that's how you don't get wrinkles it's very very safe actually if you know the right anatomy to do it and the right dosage so when you say the term botox a lot of people tend to get scared you know because they they may think of um certain celebrities that have the too plastic kind of look yeah. but you know the right dosage uh, the right technique to do it and you can look very very natural and it helps you actually age slower so okay. these are the kind of things that think doctors know and beauty therapists don't know so that was one of the myths or, or things that i want to point out that never relates to that yeah yeah because okay. we're helping you treat uh, we are helping treat people and we give results to to patients uh, and also our name is carried when we do procedures you know because things can happen to us got our license and things like that beauty parlors and and stuff uh, when you de- when you develop a complication they just have to close the clinic for uh, their center for a few days rechange the name that's it if a medical professional makes a mistake why we ensure that all our work is up to pass because one we have our medical license two we just have the ethics towards patients where we know how and what we should do for their benefit you know that's medical ethics or in the science world that's just ethics in that sense all right Thank you so much uh, Dr. Hanisha Arif for joining us in this episode and thank you all so, so much. We're so glad to have you too. Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Lab. If you'd like to be part of our growing community of science enthusiasts, kindly hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at underscore beyond the lab and like our Beyond the Lab Facebook page. I'm Jeffrey Lau. Till next time.